Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And once again, we are talking to you from our at-home studio, studio. which would not be so notable, except <laughs> for the fact that we've just gotten to be at home. Indeed. And it is very early in the morning, and we never do the podcast early in the morning. I mean, really early. Because we don't get up very early, except... These last few days, we've been getting up in the middle of the night, because we have just returned from a wonderful trip to Europe. Uh, we don't think we talked about it too much last month, because we weren't <laughs> we really sure whether it would even happen, and how it would happen. And um, in past times, those of you who have been listening along with us for a long time know that every so often we digress greatly from the RVing topic <laughs> to talk well, to you about a cruise and you we are travelers us, you've given us the feedback that that can be interesting too and it certainly was for us so we will do our best to be coherent even in our jet lag state and talk to you about the wonderful trip we've just had and this cruise kind of came up all of a sudden we got an email from viking cruises viking ocean cruises uh, as opposed to viking river cruises and they said uh, we're have doing we got a deal for you have we got a deal for you and they were doing a a special itinerary that included the Adriatic from Malta, which uh, means you go to Croatia and uh, Montenegro. Well, the cruise originated in Malta, right. and if you are not good at the European map, Malta is a large set of islands just south of Sicily, which is just south of the boot of Italy. They're an independent country. So we... We took the cruise from there, returned to there, and then spent a good week cruising the Adriatic to Montenegro and Croatia. Beautiful, Indeed. picturesque stops. And these cruises were supposed to start uh, July 1st. And because we had a little bit of time here in the summer, because we haven't cruised in, uh, since February of 2020, we said, ooh, this sounds pretty interesting. And they were offering literally a two-for-one deal. Uh, and on a prime, on a premier cruise line that is usually very expensive, we said, well, let's give them a call and see what, what we can do. And they uh, were very anxious to take our money <laughs> and said, okay, you are cruising on the second cruise of this itinerary from Malta. So we said, that looks good. It fits into our schedule because, as you know, we're going on a caravan uh, next month, next in, month August. in August. So we thought, well, we got some time here. And what the heck? That's kind of our attitude for a lot of things, I guess. If we have the time and the money, what the heck? As in veteran gypsies, we get a lot of emails with special offers to do this and that. And we always say to each other, Oh, I wish we, had time. we weren't so booked yeah. up already. Yeah. We, we plan ahead. As comfortable as being at home is, uh, I was getting tired of looking at these four walls. And, and a husband. No, you came along. Oh, okay. <laughs> the idea of seeing some new scenery, even with some serious limitations on it, was intoxicating. So we checked on the airfare. The airfare was reasonable. Um, it cost us about uh, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars each to fly round trip premium economy. Which we would recommend if you're going to Europe. It's not business. 
but it is uh, a definite upgrade. And on a long flight of eight hours or more, it's nice to have that extra leg room and to have a little bit more cushier seat. It's, it's not nice really all that good to sleep, but... It's nice to be able to eat your food without your elbows digging into your own ribs because you don't want to bother the person next to you. So that plus the cruise fare made it uh, feasible for us to do this trip. And so we made the reservation. That was just the beginning because there's lots of bureaucracy in these COVID times. And even as we booked, we heard a serious limitation, yes. which was that Viking would not allow us to wander off the ship on our own. Uh, if we wanted to leave the ship, we had to be on one of their shore excursions, and we thought of ourselves as being in the bubble the whole time we were on the cruise. It meant that we couldn't go souvenir shopping, boohoo, or go stop at a local restaurant and have a drink and mix with the locals. It was well worth it in my book. Yes, we knew this in advance, that this bubble was going to be in effect and we were interested to find out uh, exactly what this entailed i think this will be first make for some interesting stories in the future when we look back on this it's going to be an interesting uh, situation as it turned out this cruise was the first one of this itinerary they'll be doing these uh, sailings through september uh, of this year 2021 and uh, we were the uh, trailblazers in more ways than one. Yes. Ken already has uh, referred to some of the bureaucracy that was in place because of COVID. They warned us up front that we would be um, spit tested every morning. <laughs> uh, we had a spit in a test tube before you could even brush your teeth. You were supposed to do well, this. Well, yes, you wouldn't want to contaminate the spit. They had um, like iPad scanners near the restaurants where you had to take your temperature by it photo recognizing your face. Facial yes. recognition was very well. And then it took well. your temperature. And then we had to wear uh, contact tracing discs in case someone did come down with COVID, they could tell who you had been near. And of course, the hand washing that, and you, should, masks. that you should always do on a cruise. And we were supposed to wear masks all, all the, the time. time. Except when you were in your cabin. Or outside? Mm, maybe. That was it. <laughs> um, we certainly did some sinning in that regard. The crew did not. We think that they are really making a huge sacrifice. They always are when they are away from home for so many months working on a cruise ship. But we never saw a crew member without a mask on. Uh, they were very towing the bottom line 24-7, and the other limitation placed on them was they were not even allowed to leave the ship on shore excursions because they had to stay on the ship and work. So usually Whoa. it's fun when you're in a port to see the crew having a few hours of leave time and they rush around buying potato chips or whatever it is that, that they like, uh, souvenirs for their family back home. Uh, it was like being on a, in a very pleasant prison for them. Uh, so they were confined to the ship the whole time that we were on board. And that's that, that could be a, a big problem if you are on board. We talked to several crew members who had been on board for three solid months and had not gotten off the ship in those three months. We found out that there was going to be a field trip the day we arrived back in port for the crew so that they could go to... The Malta Wal version of Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> the Malta version of Walmart to, to pick up a few things that they might like to uh, have and to actually touch their feet onto shore in Malta so that they can say they've been there. They were so excited. But, as we mentioned, this turned out to be the first cruise, and this ship, the Viking Venus, was brand new. It had just been commissioned in May. They'd done a few cruises around uh, Portsmouth, uh, England, and they'd done three of those, and then they sailed off to... Uh, 
meet us in Malta. The ship was supposed to be doing a cruise, a repositioning cruise from England to Malta, but that didn't happen. They didn't get any passengers, apparently. And then they sat off, not exactly anchored, but stationary off of Malta for three or four days before. <laughs> waiting our, for us to get there. Waiting for our, us to get there. You can imagine the money that this costs the cruise line to sail empty. As you all well know, this COVID ordeal has been very taxing, and preparing for international travel was taxing as well, too. Number one, there don't seem to be any nonstop direct flights from the U.S. to Malta, except maybe from Newark. Yeah. So we are spoiled living near Chicago O'Hare, and we're very disappointed to see that we had to take a connection. Well, Malta's kind of a small um, place. Which made the paperwork... Just multiply. We had numerous apps to download to verify that we had been vaccinated. There was an app for the ship. There was an app for United Airlines. All these forms we kept hearing about and printing out in quadruplicate. We flew through Munich. We didn't know if we had to do yeah, the forms we were for, entering for, Munich for Germany, Germany because that was where we yeah. entered the EU. Malta's also in the EU. So normally I have a thick folder of paperwork that I bring for the <laughs> things we're anyway. planning on doing. But this time I brought two thick folders of paper work, the other one being all the medical proof that we could think of that we might eventually need. And on this end, we needed a COVID test 72 hours before we arrived in Malta. Well, we didn't know. Was it when well, we arrived at the airport in Chicago? Was it when we arrived in the airport in Munich? Was it when we finally got to Malta? There was the time change involved because we... Yes. Lost six, seven hours traveling. There were all sorts of... Very confusing. And this is why we were kind of on the cutting edge here. <laughs> we were testing all this out to see... Uh, it- for ourselves to see what was uh, what was really going to happen with these flights. Uh, as it turned out, we got three COVID tests before we left home. Before we left home, because we were so nervous about uh, about getting uh, the appropriate test, and we needed them. They, People they did, did care, check, but they didn't seem to care exactly about the time frame. But we because they couldn't tell how many hours were between and, where we were and where we'd come from either. And if you have the COVID uh, sh- vaccine card, you needed that. But of course, the United States is unique because it has no standardized uh, card. Um, I'm sure you realize this, but uh, Europeans, multiples letting in Europeans without any issue because they have a standardized electronic card that is printed by a computer. Ours are all hand done by whoever gave you the shot, and Very that's the easy. only card. That's the only verification you have. Very easy to duplicate and counterfeit, and we can understand why other countries wouldn't trust it. And you can understand that Malta was uh, skeptical about this. As a matter of fact, two days after we arrived in Malta, they actually shut down American tourists from coming in because we didn't have a standardized vaccination certificate. And this, of course, caused us great consternation. We left home slightly before the shutdown was going to (laughs) take place. And we we called Viking the day we left and and said, we're on our way to the airport. Should we keep going? And they said, oh, yes, it's going to happen. And indeed it did. Um, So we flew quite a few hours. Uh, And and in actuality, uh, the flight across the Atlantic was pretty full. The flight to Malta from Munich was full, uh, which kind of surprised us. I expected things to be uh, kind of on a low-key sort of situation for flying, but the airports seemed to be busy. And of course, uh, leaving O'Hare, we had to have our mask on full-time on the plane, and they came around and made sure if you pulled it down, except when you were eating, they were there to chastise you. 
It's so that's annoying. I think the way we should think about it is since Malta is in the EU and Germany was in the EU, it was kind of like flying to the United States, getting approved there, and then being able to travel within the United States. That's really kind of how it turned out to be. But in Malta, there was a fleet of 20 officials yes. who went through all of our health records one more time before they let us in. Yeah. Took 45 minutes to get through that line. That was the longest line we stayed, stood in. And, this, uh, and you can imagine that all of this preparation, think of ourselves as experienced travelers, we know what to do, but we had no idea what to do. It caused us a lot of anxiety, and that caused us to think there are all these people that are going to try yep. to take this cruise after us. Maybe we should try sharing with them um, our experiences and what we have learned, which may no longer be relevant by the time they go. This is a very fluid situation. We watched a lot of YouTube videos about the ship and about Malta, learned a lot about what to expect and thought, it's our time to share for, those, for those cruisers coming after us. A YouTube us, channel comes to light. How to cope with COVID. We made a few YouTubes before we left. Six, So seven. we now have a YouTube channel that has, well, have 10 episodes. Kind of like the RV Navigator, except you get to see us. And Martha has made herself beautiful in order to do the podcast. Or no, not a podcast. The YouTube channel videos. Yeah, I really like doing it this way better. You have no idea whether I'm in my pajamas or not and whether I comb my hair. And it's much easier for Ken to edit when we bobble because when you're editing a video, it's quite obvious and easy to see. So I think the YouTube video is not something that I would favor doing on a regular basis. But I think it was very helpful to people who are going to do this cruise. We've gotten a lot of comments. And, and surprisingly enough, we've had on some of the episodes over 1,500 views, which is incredible, considering the fact that it has been available for less than a month. So this this is a kind of a one-shot deal, but if you'd like to uh, see us making a podcast uh, in action, so you can go to our new YouTube channel. You can either type in my name, Ken Wiseman, or you can type in Cruise Companions or Viking Venus, and that will all lead you to the episodes that we have created. As usual, we get verbose. So the first one is about 15 minutes, and the last and one is about, builds from there. And the last one is about 40 minutes. <laughs> We had a lot more experiences by then and things to talk about. Yes. Um, and I guess one of the things that shocked us when we got on the ship is that there were almost no fellow passengers. It was like we were on our own private yacht. Fancy this that. ship holds 930 capacity and is quite luxurious and nice. And we had booked a, a decent cabin. And... We got on board, and they said, oh, we're so glad you're here. You're among the 180 passengers that we're going to have. So they were sailing at one-fifth capacity. Now, I'm sure you've taken a cruise, and you said, it would be so nice if there were not as many passengers. It's so well, crowded, I, and I, I have to stand in line. find a deck chair by the pool. Yes, yeah, so if I could find a deck chair, if I could you know, get into the buffet and not have to worry about uh, finding, finding a, a place to seat and sit and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen... This is our experience. We were the first two passengers to get on board. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Because we came from a hotel rather than from the charter flight that many of our fellow cruisers took. And for the time we were there, we were Madame and Mr. Ken. <laughs> 
you take a drink of water, it immediately gets refilled because those poor people had nothing to do. And we talked to many of the crew members. They were just they were very excited to be there because for many of them, this was their opportunity to get vaccinated, and they had just been vaccinated. They had spent ten days at sea without any passengers uh, waiting for us to arrive. So they hadn't seen any passengers in in a couple of weeks. When we got there, they were like, oh, thank goodness we have something to do. People! But there are 450 crew members and 180 passengers. Do the math. <laughs> so the service was outstanding. You, you come into the restaurant in the evening. Would you like a table? Well, sure. We've got to. Would, can we sit by the window? Sure. No problem. <laughs> Would you like some wine? Take a sip. Would you like some more wine? Take another sip. Wow. So the service was excellent um, and uh, kind of in some ways uh, overbearing because they were just very solicitous. And and the, the, the crew was so friendly and so anxious that we have a good time and that we like the ship and we liked our accommodations. And they were just uh, over the top in terms of friendliness. And it was fun to talk to them uh, about their stories and about what they had done for the two years that well, they, they weren't had. Working. Well, they weren't working, exactly. And the fact that they had come back after this long, long hiatus, you know, what the situation was in their country. Many of these folks were from Indonesia and India, yeah, all, over. all over. And, of course, we got an equally enthusiastic reaction once we actually got to the various ports that we yes. visited because we were the first cruise ship in many of these ports. And for many of the tour guides, we were the first people that they had to guide in, in two a years. year and a half or two years. Wow. So, you know, bands played and people danced. Which and we are not usually it, expecting. It was just a wonderful reception everywhere we, had, we went. We had a fireboat uh, reception when they, you know, they, they shoot the fire hose off to welcome uh, special ships, and I, our ship was didn't seem to be special, but it was special in that it was the first one. So we were in the bubble, though, and they did enforce that. This ship had on board a medical lab with three technicians to who, process our spit tests every day. Who processed our? So every day we had a COVID test. And I would assume they were also there in case one of us got ill. They did but have nobody did. They did have uh, definite protocols uh, to handle that. So they had really prepared for any eventuality in terms of the COVID. Um, and as we see on the similar cruises in Iceland, uh, they've actually had to put them into effect. Iceland did had some uh, COVID issues. Well, Iceland was a more open country than Malta, and the Viking cruise ships there were. At closer to 50% capacity yeah, right? rather so, than least, the 20% yeah. that we had, which gives you more possibilities for things to happen. And uh, those, from what we read, changed over time in terms of how to respond to them. The first one we read about, the Iceland authorities shut the cruise down mid-cruise mid and sent everybody home immediately, and later on they just quarantined people on the ship and seemed to be a little more relaxed, uh, which had less of an impact yeah, yeah. on everybody else who was on that cruise. 
cruise ship. So as you well know, wherever you are, uh, we are still learning how to handle this COVID business as it evolves and we get to understand it better. Being in the bubble means that we were not allowed off the ship except for ship-sponsored shore excursions. In the past, we have often gotten a private tour or we've just gotten off and wandered around in several of these ports. The city was right there. Because this is a fairly small ship, uh, it can dock in, in fairly central locations. And you can you could have just gotten off and walked around the city, but we were not allowed off at any time other than for the shore excursions. And even on the shore excursions, <laughs> the guides had a little bit of a problem because they were not allowed to give us free time. So they had a talk, 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 talk. Um, and that can get to be a little bit taxing after a while because you have a, you lose your concentration and it, it's history is is hard to take. And do they have history? Well, let's oh, just say Malta. Malta, we'd go to places and they'd say, "Oh yeah, this rune was built a thousand years before they built the pyramids." And you start thinking about all the history that they've had. I am glad I was never a school child in that country, having to learn all that stuff. Croatia and Malta have more fortifications than I could possibly imagine. These huge stone fortifications, because they were at a trade and uh, crossroads of the world uh, of the Mediterranean, anyway, and there was constant battles because. They had such nice harbors and that uh, it was a central location to launch battles and, and things that were going on with the world. In the ports themselves, there were certainly other people there besides us, and most of them appeared to me to be people who were within a driving distance of that place, from the other countries that used to be part of Yugoslavia, from Hungary, from Austria, people who could come there fairly easily. So it was busy the way I think our country is busy in some of the tourist spots that people drive to for family vacations in the summer. And because the vaccination rate there was fairly high, we, we we saw very few masks, except for yes. the ones that were plastered to our faces. <laughs> as we kind of walked around in this little huddle as uh, we toured the various sites to see. But I got to say that Croatia and Malta are, and we went to Split and Dubrovnik and to... Kator and Montenegro was yeah. spectacular. This is a spectacularly scenic area. And if you have a chance to go there, it's well worth it and very reasonably priced in terms of uh, tourism. And certainly at the time we were there, the seas were like glass the whole time. If you have any right. seasickness concerns, I would put them aside for that part of the world, that time of year at least. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, <laughs> I, get the the place to be. I get the impression that much of Game of Thrones was actually filmed in... Croatia. Croatia, one part or another, and uh, some in Malta also. So if you are a fan of that, uh, they have tours that take you to the important places. This was filmed here and that was filmed And we there. actually talked to an extra who was in the film. She was one of our guides. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was lost on us. Of course, we have never seen even an episode. I've never even, no. I don't think I've watched a frame of Game of Thrones except uh, as an advertisement. But if you're interested in that, this is the place to go to see those uh, locations. I also want to add on a more general note that I've, I've read about people who do cruises in Europe and the cruise starts at one famous city and ends at another famous city and only after they're flying home do they realize that they never got to see anything in either of those two famous yes. cities because the ship takes right off. So we did as we usually do. We spent a few days on the front end and on the back end in Malta. It helps to cope with jet lag and it gave us a good opportunity to see more of what Malta had to offer and we were very glad 
glad we took the extra Indeed. time. There was a point when all the other passengers got off the ship with their <laughs> sp- there were even spit, fewer of us. spit test results in their hands and mm-hmm. were ready to go to the airport, or our spit test expired before we went to the airport, and we had to figure out how to get one more test before we could fly home. Because to get into the United States, you have to have a PCR test within no, 72 hours. an antigen test. Oh, sorry. And Which makes a difference. Yes. And that's, of course, the case now. Who knows? Uh, this keeps changing as well. But I just want to say that if you have the time and you're going to go over there and fly all that way, if you can spend a little time before and after the cruise visiting that place, wherever it sails from, it was well worth it. So we took a 10-day cruise and turned it into a 16-day holiday with a couple of extra days on each end. A short trip for us. A short trip for us because (laughs) we didn't include anything else because we were kind of nervous about the... How was all going to turn out? And even on the way home, we were still nervous. Because what if we flunked that final antigen test and they wouldn't let us on the plane? Then what do you do? So there's still a lot to worry about. Even at the airport. Uh, So we packed very um, strategically so that we would be ready in case we were quarantined or something without our suitcases. So we carry extra clothes and toiletries and things. I call it defensive packing. Yeah, but that's a good idea in this case because we just didn't know... But in retrospect, other than the masks, it was pretty much of a normal trip. And we had a wonderful time. We did. I'm so glad we went. It was uh, (laughs) all of our machinations and worries and anxiety. Uh, we just we we almost canceled, and I think that's why there were so few pe- passengers on the ship. Is is that people just said, "Oh, I can't handle this," which of course is why we made the, the video, YouTube the YouTube videos, is to kind of give people peace of mind that they could make this trip. If Ken and Martha can do it, then anybody could do it. <laughs> we're we're over seventy, for God's sakes. If we can do it, you can do it. We also but, should give a plug to the global entry system, oh, which yeah. was a real boon to us when we returned, bleary eyed after all that. Flying to O'Hare, you get off the plane. You know you have all those customs and passport control they and give now you forms COVID to fill out. stuff, and it just takes a while. And with the global entry program, which we enrolled in three or four years ago, yeah, this is not new. Out, this is a government-sponsored program. Um, it's called Global Entry, and it's an you get a card. And as she says, we've had it for several years. And there was a fair amount of bureaucracy involved to get it. And you have to give them your fingerprints, and you have to have a picture taken. And I got a background check. Because one of the questions was, have you had previous names? And I didn't admit <laughs> to the fact that my name changed when I became a Wiseman. And so I was... Re- 51 years ago. I was rejected from the program. <laughs> I had to be reprocessed, yada, yada, yada. But the bottom line was we took our passports and went to a kiosk and took a picture gave them our print and we were good to go. Well, let's let's say we we got off the plane with uh, 300 other passengers. We're all going down the hallway, and there's a sign that says Global Entry Left. Uh, everybody, everybody else, else to the right. right. And five people get off and go to the Global Entry. We thought, oh, is this right? And we asked the attendant there, and she said, yeah, if you have Global Entry, you just go down here. And then we walked into a, into a large uh, entry hallway, and there were 
hundreds of people waiting in line, you know, in one of those zigzag lines to go to. Yeah, I'm sure you've done Disney this. If, you tra- if, if you've done this, uh, traveled overseas, you know that when you come back, you, you get into these zigzag lines that you're waiting for the passport uh, check to verify that you are legal to enter the country. So we went off to the left, and there were these five or six terminals that were labeled global entry. You put your fingers down for your passport, uh, put your fingers down your passport. Take a picture Take of a picture of yourself. And then the machine thrashes around for a couple minutes. Not, no, a few seconds. And out comes a receipt. We didn't even have to do the customs form. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so you take the receipt and it says uh, exit here. And I said, really? That's all we have to do? And we exited. Of course, we haven't we were, done this in two years. We so that's the, why it was a surprise. <laughs> we were already at the baggage carousel. And again, we were the only ones at the baggage carousel. Because everybody else was still in line. There were several large planes that were unloading at this time. Our, the passengers on our flight, of course, were at the end of the line. So all of the other passengers had to go through first. So we got our luggage started. The luggage from our flight started to come down. And we were among three or four people who were waiting, you know, always you have to yeah, hustle and bustle people. around at the at the luggage and you have to, you know, you you, you can never find a spot that's Just where the luggage it. is coming off the carousel and but right now there was nobody there. It was just us. So our luggage came down. We picked it up. We walked through the customs, and the guy said, "Where you been?" We said, "In Malta." And he said, "Go, no problem. Get out of here." So we, after we got off the plane, it was less than half an hour before we were outside the terminal. Wonderful. I would say wonderful. Less, and most of the time was waiting for the bags. I need to back up a little. Okay. The one thing that was slow was getting on the plane that oh, went yeah. from Vienna, the European Union, to Chicago, because that was the point where we had to submit our test results, the ones that had to be done within 72 hours. And there were these two poor Austrian <laughs> Airlines employees who were commissioned with checking the test records for everyone who got on that plane. And as you can imagine, people were not coming from Malta necessarily. They were coming from all over Europe, all over the world. Yes. And everybody had gotten the tests in different ways, at different places, in different languages. And those two poor people, the line moved so slowly. You wanted to be annoyed with them, but <laughs> I felt sorry for them. And they are really the guardians at the door, I guess, because they were the ones who said that all 300 of us could come to the United States and bring our cooties with us. Yes, It was very clear to me on this trip that lawmakers and bureaucrats can pass all these laws and policies, but it really comes down to the poor airline people who already have plenty to do, who have to figure out how to cope with all this as well. Except in Malta. Where when we got there, there were, as as you mentioned a couple minutes ago, that there were 20 officers of the government there Mm -hmm. checking our documentation to make sure that we were legitimate uh, tourists coming into Malta. Okay, if you want to know more about this, then I can't imagine that anybody (laughs) want to know more about this. (laughs) We've blathered on long enough. I'm thinking we're half an hour. We do have. And we haven't even said this is episode 196 of the Irving Navigator podcast. And that you want to go check out our calendar page so that you have a nice wallpaper for your computer. And we're kind of I've got a picture of Walt. uh, Walt. I've got a picture of Malta. Well, good. Is it beautiful? Yes. Of course. Malta was. But actually, I've done it, but I don't think it's actually Malta. I think it's. In, in one of the major, in one of I'm the major. I'm sure there will be one. We uh, took a ton of pictures. Anyway, 
We have every month, we have a nice calendar photo, calendar and photo for you to use as your wallpaper. And uh, you need to go and click on calendar on our webpage. And of course, there'll be lots of interesting pictures and notes and things from our this trip on our episode web page. So take a look. And now... As we mentioned, we are um, a few weeks away from leaving home again to go on an RV caravan. Oh, are we leaving again? I don't know if I could take that. We booked this caravan during confinement last <laughs> winter. And, um, Not knowing whether it would go. Even though we got through it just fine, we were really ready to talk to other people. And we thought, wouldn't it be nice to RV with some other people? And we signed up to go out west to national parkish kind of places, many of which we've been to at one time or another. And we're going to be on this caravan for a good month. Is yeah, I, I have think so, that 30, right? more than yeah. 30 days before ha- going to the Balloon Festival. And I have to say that I now have some anxiety about that, just as I did before we went to Europe, because you keep hearing about all the forest fires out west. You keep hearing about the and massive... You see the smoke that's in New York from the fires out west? Massive God. crowds that are tying up some of the national parks. We assume that by the time we get out there, certainly the schools around us will already have been back in Things session and the family. We'll leave the world to the, to the geezers that are still out floating around. <laughs> and who would that be? <laughs> so I'm sure it'll be fine. I don't know. With this climate change, it really makes you worry about things that I never used to think yeah. about at all. But with that said, uh, we are going to take about, <laughs> you won't believe this, we're going to take about a week to get there. 1,600 uh, drive, miles. Well, you do all the driving. 1,700 miles in yeah. a week. Yeah. That's a lot for yeah. me. And so we can we can take our time. And we have made our first reservation for our first night. Uh, and I was surprised because we're staying at a COE. And I had no trouble making a reservation. I, I You know, we hear all – and this will be interesting as we uh, move forward – to see how crowded the campgrounds really are. I have to think that, well, we're traveling through the middle of the country, which is not a tourist mecca, no. that well, we won't have any trouble. But once we get to more more interesting places for tourists, it might be a little more busy. I don't know. I, well, that's what's going to be interesting. Yeah. We have. I, I checked on another reservation at a Nebraska state park, and that was wide open, too, mm-hmm. for the second night. Mm-hmm. Our original intention was to leave a bit earlier and spend some time in Las Vegas, yes. which is near the original point for our caravan but we are not reading good things about the COVID out there we looked at the shows because that's primarily why we like to go to Las Vegas and we had already seen them nothing new is there that's understandable Uh, they're getting going themselves so and it's so hot out there this yeah. time of year. So we decided to give it a rest. Las Vegas is easy to get to any time on an airplane for hardly any money. And we will just work our way more or less directly to the point where our caravan begins in St. George, St. George, George Utah. Utah. You know, if you're looking for an interesting place to spend a winter, St. George, Utah is a very nice place to spend some time. They have several nice campgrounds, um, and it's close to Las Vegas. Uh, you can drive up to Utah, to uh, Salt Lake City, and there's a lot to do out there, and it's a, a kind of a low-key version of Phoenix, I would say. Mm-hmm. With, with it's, slightly it's, less warm yeah, temperatures. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's nice and warm there. So we start in St. George, Utah, and that's in the very southwesterly corner, and it's only about 
less than 100 miles from Vegas, I mm-hmm, would say, isn't mm-hmm. it? And it's a beautiful drive to get to, to Vegas. So uh, it's a nice uh, place to visit, and I, I would recommend it. And you'll hear lots more about it next month. Yeah, we'll have a lot more RVing stuff to talk about, but I don't know how much time we'll have to talk because caravans can keep you busy if you do everything that's on the agenda. Well, maybe we'll have somebody to interview. Oh, that would be good. Or we could t- get some, have a group talk or something like that. I don't know. There are lots of things that uh, that could happen. Whenever we leave the leave the community where we live, we um, drive past a Toyota dealership, and we have marveled all summer at how empty the lot is, and feel very sorry for all the car dealers and car rental places that are having a hard time getting themselves going again. And this is clearly also going on in the RV industry. Drink. Absolutely. And I ran across this article, which I, uh, is not an advertisement for Tiffin, but this article is really emblematic of exactly the problem that the RV industry is, is describing. And I'm going to read this to you. But if you want the link to it, of course, where will you find it? On the RV Navigator webpage. For this episode, episode 196. Is that what I said? Oh. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Oh, 200's coming up, isn't it? Oh, so, no, the jet lag is intruding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, and the sun's coming up. All right. Time for us to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you experienced jet lag? It, it, you don't it, want it, to. it is very strange. Um, you immediately it's lose eight hours time difference. You immediately lose twenty IQ points right off the top. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So there wasn't a single motorhome on display at the Tiffin Rally. Even Bob Tiffin, who founded Tiffin Motorhomes in 1972, didn't get one. He said this was the first year he did not have a show motorhome to meet people in. Instead, he got a tent and a plastic chair. Sad. It turns out that all the motorhomes are either promised to dealers that have them pre-sold or they are sitting at the factory awaiting parts to be finished. Supply chain issues have left more than 250 motorhomes at Tiffin Factory waiting for furniture, AC units, and other parts to complete. And those are just the pre-ordered ones. If you're planning on ordering a motorhome soon, the wait is at least six months. Many are waiting more than a year. Manufacturers of all makes have millions of dollars of inventory on their lots waiting for components. It sometimes comes down to just needing the glue to laminate the walls. Getting refrigerators, toilets, and AC units are major issues. So even though this article is about motorhomes, I have to think that oh yeah, trailers that, that's and, why this motor this article has more relevance than everybody. than just to this. All of this points to the lingering effects of COVID nineteen from the initial high demand of RVs as a safer way to vacation and travel, labor shortages during COVID, reduced speed of production, and now supply chain issues. Many of the needed parts are produced and shipped from overseas, where there are also lingering supply problems. The parts, if they have been made and shipped, could be sitting in a container on a ship waiting to be unloaded or waiting for a truck to carry them to their destination, i.e. the Ever Plus, that, that ship that was in the oh, Suez. Oh, the one that was in the Suez? It was just... Yeah, really Evergreen, I think. 18,000 containers. 18,000 containers sitting there. sitting there for six months. Wow. Wherever those parts are, there are a lot of excited buyers out there just dreaming of firing up the RV and hitching a ride to their in their dream machine. Until then, they must have to visit a campground to see a motorhome in person. Wow. 
Wow. So I guess if you're planning on buying, you're going to be buying used, but even the used market, I, I've is, talked, is I've, type 10, I've right? read some, yeah, I've read some uh, issues here that uh, people are trading in a year old motorhome and getting more for it than they paid. Wow. That's never happened in my lifetime. It's never happened in anybody's yeah. lifetime. So uh, that's uh, whew, something to be considered uh, if you're thinking about buying, if you're thinking about getting into the RV. And I, I regularly watch a, uh, a YouTube video channel from a local dealer who is in the same situation as the cars. They just can't get inventory. And their lot, you know, <laughs> big parking lots are just plain empty. I, I, I don't know how long this is going to be before it's solved. We're talking about the middle of next year now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we bought new tires for our for our toad because we worried that they would um, go flat while we were towing. They were six years old. Which, and how do I know? Because of the secret code that's the on DOT the, code. the wall of the tires. On this, on the wall of your tire is a code that uh, the DOT p- it requires to be put on there, and that has it has the week and the year of your manufacturer of your tires and many times you get tires that are what are new to you but they're not new anyway our tires were more than six years old on our toad and so that i decided to uh, replace them and i just because i don't want to have a flat tire while we're going down the road the tread was actually okay I had plenty of tread left because we had 50,000 miles on them, and they have an 80-mile, 1,000-mile warranty. But they were old. And is there a difference between towing miles and driving miles? Uh, Not to me. Uh Uh-huh. I think we were surprised on our last car that, that the, we drove it a little too long. Yeah, because uh, I took it in and the guy said, you need new tires. And I said, I only have 25,000 miles on it. He says, but no, I, you don't. <laughs> but I towed it for another 25, so I did replace the tires. Um, if you haven't looked at your tires, either on your motorhome or your car, or your towed, your trailer, take a look at them and make sure that you don't have a blowout. Every month, every day on Facebook, you see pictures of people who have uh, overloaded their tires. They have old tires. Tires. They have problems with their tires. They have china bombs. I don't know. But and then you break down somewhere in the boonies, and you can't get what you need to replace the tire. Well, break down, blue. or you have a significant damage to your damage rig. to the whole rig. Because when a tire goes, it doesn't just go quietly. <laughs> <laughs> it usually unthreads itself. And I think there's some big problems with people uh, understanding the, uh, what their tires are. How high do you inflate them? How much air pressure do you put in? Well, you look at the sidewall of the tire and fill it up to the 120 pounds that it says. I don't think so. You have your, your axles weighed, and then you put in what the manufacturer you're not talking about the toad now. You're talking about the RV. Well, the toad comes pre-weighed because yeah. it comes uh, uh, for the car. Yeah. It has a sticker on the inside of the driver's it door, which you. tells you. And cars don't vary that much, but RVs do, especially being that you have to put stuff in your RV, which is going to. And you have a wife that weighs, you know, who who knows how much. Much more now that she's been on a cruise. <laughs> And her husband, who weighs even more. So you, you, all of these factors have to be considered. We've had ours four-corner weighed so that we know the weight of the tires. And surprisingly enough, um, I'm not anywhere near the capacity of the tire in terms of the air that I put in. Uh, our tires will run up to 130 pounds. I put in 100 in the front and uh, 85 in the back uh, because I've had it weighed and I've looked at the manufacturer's pressure chart and to see exactly how much 
pressure I need in the tires. And that gives you a decent ride. You fill them up to 120 or 130. All, all of our, and you're our, on a bad road and your boots <laughs> fall off. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, Jet-lagged again, huh? Okay, so... So I think maybe uh, this will um, be it for, we've talked, blathered on enough for this month, and we will have lots more to talk about next month, um, because we will have the RVing caravan to talk about. And we may not be at wit's end like we are right now. We definitely won't be jet-lagged, but we will be in our own bubble, and that's one of the things we like about RV travel is, Mm -hmm. is that we are still in the bubble. Will we be wearing masks? I don't care if I ever wear another mask in my life. Or will we be wearing masks because it's so smoky? Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't know, but it seems like the virus should be over by then. But the water issue, I'm planning on not having to wash the RV for the entire That's trip out there. That's going to kill you. I know. Well, I have, yep. alt- I have alternatives. Oh, your plans? <laughs> You're going to bootleg some water? Is that? <laughs> well, kind of. I can wash with the with the freshwater tank From in, in a parking lot. Uh-huh. So I can I can fill up the tank someplace and then go. But you want to be with the spirit of those poor people out west whose reservoirs have all evaporated. Absolutely. So I will not be doing that. We'll just be dusty. <laughs> Do you see the lie on my face? Yes. <laughs> Save yourself some work. <laughs> and I won't have time. No. Okay. So, uh, dear listener... And I don't have to say dear viewer, because that's no, what no. I've been saying for the past ten episodes. So, dear listener, we... It's time for us to go back to bed. <laughs> ah, is that what it is? My wife is inviting me to bed? Well, now that's an option that I hadn't even thought about. The RV Navigator comes through. Okay, so uh, we will uh, turn it over to next month, September. And we hope that you have had a good month and a good summer, and you've gotten out and done some RVing on your own. And we're happy to hear about cruising for a change. Yeah, make a reservation. Cruising is back. Well, and now all these ships that have uh, their practice cruises. The test runs, yeah. Port Canaveral, where our last cruise from, just hosted its first cruise out of the port. So it looks like cruising is going to come back, we hope. Fingers, but fingers crossed. At the same time, 22 cruise ships have gone to the wrecking yard. To their demise. To their demise. 22 in the last year, 2020. Whew. So there are a lot of uh, capacity that has gone to the wrecking yard. But there's still lots, of, lots of good bargains out there and lots of things to do. Hopefully everybody will get through it and be able to make a go of it again. So, adios. See you next month. Happy travels. Stay healthy and safe.